am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Eighty-five percent of the teenagers in high school have been exposed to hardcore Satanism. Jesus wants me to live an abundant human life. Satan's pretty cool. get in here? And what is that glowing orb around your neck? Oh, there it is. Thanks, dude. Name's Rufus. Rufus Gloppy. You wanna hit this? Um, no thanks. Suit yourself. Um, do you think you could do that outside? Totally. I get it. Vanishing ritual. Sick. <coughs> well, nice to meet you. Catch you on the flip side. Now if I could just find that amulet. Well, let's hope we never see that guy again. Greetings, fakers, and welcome to episode 17 of Fake Ritual, the podcast. Your guide to pop culture and the occult. I'm your host, Lucas Sloppy. I sat down for a talk with my friend, Jillian Fleckenstein. We get into some of our TV favorites of yore, by way of ABC's TGIF, Nickelodeon's SNCC. We talk about Catholic upbringings and Genesis Peorage. Oh yeah, and how Chuck E. Cheese sucks. So strap in for a riveting convo with my friend. Jillian Fleckenstein. Uh, with me today is co-founder of Appalachian Oddities, as well as fellow freak and friend, Jillian Fleckenstein. What's up, Jill? How's it going, Lucas? Good. How have... Or yeah, how have you been passing the time as of late in these uh, final final days as the Christians would have us believe. <laughs> um, I've been doing a lot of uh, cooking actually. Um, I'm working from home right now and also uh, exploring more creative endeavors lately. Have you been watching anything, binging anything? Yeah, so um, I've actually, I've been, I've been watching more TV than I probably should throughout Hell all yeah. the no shame no shame on big ritual <laughs> ever watch it till your eyes bleed um so yeah actually i rewatched at the beginning of the pandemic all of buffy the vampire slayer and angel and apparently there's um there's a list online available where you can look it up because the episodes actually overlap 
At one point, you're Ooh. supposed to watch them in a specific order. I love shit like uh, that. So I did that, uh, which probably took a good three months, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Did it add up? Like, did you like how it all fit together as opposed to maybe how you saw it before? Um, it did fit together very well. However, I would say that I struggled to get through Angel. It's just not as good. <laughs> so Ooh, hot take. It like, gets to a point where it's just hard to watch, at least for me. Like cringy or just boring? Yeah, mm. just kind of both. It's just not. Um, it's just not as good, um, and the storyline isn't as strong. And they kind of go into some really cringy areas with some of the characters, specifically Cordelia um, and Angel's son. It's really weird. <laughs> oh boy. Well, yeah, I've never been much of a Buffy fan. I feel like. I've always struggled with the, like, WB production value. It's the same reason I never watched, like, sci-fi's Farscape or, like, the Stargate TV show. But I do think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for some, like, UPN-level uh, production value. <laughs> See, I wouldn't even put, um, I wouldn't put Buffy on that level. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> I'm slowly making my way to, like, you know, I got enough TV to watch... If Heaven does exist, I think it might just be, like, a big TV set and, like, unlimited access to, you know, all the streaming services in Heaven. What except Shudder, because it's evil. I've been watching... There is a brand of anime that is, like, healing anime. Have you heard of this? No. Uh, I just started watching some stuff. It's called Iyakishe. Iyashike. It's called Iyashike. And here I looked it up. Is Iyashike is Japanese for healing, a term used for anime and manga created with the specific purpose of having a healing or soothing effect on the audience. Works of this kind often involve alternative realities with little to no conflict, emphasizing nature and the little delights in life, which is a highly recommended genre for huh. the pandemic. Also, I watched The Wonder Years from the beginning, Ooh. and uh, it was better than I remembered. Ah, Kevin's, I always related to Kevin, but he is such a little, like, that one where he gets caught making fun of everyone behind their back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's that other when uh, he makes, he doesn't want to be friends with Paul anymore, so then he makes friends with, like, the annoying kid who mm -hmm. is, like, rich, so he has all this cool shit, but then just, I think he eventually realizes, like, I don't actually like this kid, I'm just using him. I do remember that episode, though, because that actor was also in the original It. Oh. Like, the, the rich kid with all the fun toys and stuff mm -hmm. that he was using. Yeah, he was in the original It. And, well, speaking of, even in that episode, I do distinctly remember a horror scene. Kevin is having a dream, and they're, like, in the tent out in the kid's backyard, and I think it's filled. It's like a ball pit, if I'm remembering this correctly. And, like... He starts sinking in the ball pit, the kid does, and, like, Kevin can't save him. I just remember being really terrifying as a, as a young person who was a big fan of ball pits. <laughs> I don't specifically remember that part, but that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely Terrifying ruined. if you're afraid of ball pits. Ruined Discovery Zone for me. <laughs> Outright. I remember Discovery Zone. You do? Oh, yeah, way better than Chuck E. Cheese. Right. I lost a tooth at Discovery Zone, and I still oh like Discovery Zone better than <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. Though Did no... you lose it in the ball pit? Did I what? Did you lose your tooth in the ball pit? 
I did, I lost it at like, I guess I, from what I remember, I was four. I guess I like yelled as I was going down one of the slides and my tooth caught on some of the webbing, some of the like netting that they always had everywhere. And yeah. it didn't rip it out, it just broke it. Oh my God. And then my mom just like, it was some birthday party and all my mom remembers is like a, a worker there like leading me crying like bleeding to her like you know mom's worst nightmare and I then guess she, they have to have really good insurance or something <laughs> a place like that absolutely <laughs> where they have you sign a waiver like that they don't even tell you about but i do remember very beautiful thing uh she let me put i put a note under my pillow for the tooth fairy saying lost my tooth but i swear i had one and i still got money <laughs> I was like, it's a good little cheat. I actually saw something the other day on a meme or something about how um, the Tooth Fairy is in a very, very occult-like um, entity. Okay. Um, whenever a child is leaving a bone offering for like some kind of mythological creature to come exchange something in the night. Like, it's definitely growing up, you know, evangelical and being warned of all the, you know, kind of everything of the world was satanic. Uh, you know, especially something like Halloween, which is kind of obvious. But in a way, like, looking back, they were absolutely right that everything has an occult origin and you should be suspicious. Or they, they have, they see it as something you should be suspicious of but we just think it's cool, but they're right. Yeah, like, absolutely. Everything is satanic. Christmas. I also think <laughs> that the Tooth Fairy is much cooler if it's something, that. you know, associated with the occult. It makes it that much more interesting. You I'm know, sure. Why leave that part out? <laughs> I'm sure some, like, some, like, Wiccan parents, you know, Wiccan mother, wizard father, have gone <laughs> over and above to bring out the occult when it comes to the Tooth Fairy probably turn their kid into a Christian in do, by doing so. <laughs> it's my greatest fear as a possible future parent is that I, I have a fucking square of a son or daughter. Oh my God, or, yeah. Or in between. Either way, just a fucking square would be the worst. You'd almost rather than be a sociopath. <laughs> take it you are a pop culture fan absolutely uh what do you think it is about you know pop culture i guess maybe to make it a broader category you know, fiction storytelling but also i guess that caveat of it having this mass appeal yeah so um i feel like it's always kind of it, it's a healthy escape um oh yeah and a distraction from reality, which, you know, 
obviously we all what's wrong with reality right now <laughs> is there something i should know about like is it not cool or something <laughs> is it like not like there's a pandemic yeah. happening or <laughs> riots in the street like, possibly a civil war <laughs> yeah you know like whatever what you know reality but I do feel like, uh, you know, like anything else, it's a double-edged sword. There's, uh, you know, negative side to pop culture as well and kind of, uh, I guess, false idols. Totally. Um, celebrity worship. Um, but that, you know, goes into the whole idea of pop culture and the occult, right? It's all connected. Yeah, like it's, it, it's kind of like almost a way what I want fake ritual to exist for at least one of the many things I'm trying to do is sort of make people understand that there is like something grandiose within this pop culture but it's also like something you can play with but let's just segue to uh, I guess let's just segue to where our love of pop culture began and I know you watch a lot of TV growing up and I, I definitely did uh, so what were you watching? What stood out? Um, so I was definitely watching The X-Files. Um, that was definitely my favorite show whenever I was eight years old. Um, it freaked me out, but I really liked it. Mm. Um, I was really into the idea of aliens being real. Um, also, like I said, I kind of liked uh, the excitement of being scared, but I specifically remember um, a teacher, I think I was in third or fourth grade, they asked me uh, what I wanted to be whenever I grew up, and I was obsessed with Jillian Anderson because her name was also Jillian. Um, but yeah, I told them that I wanted to be um, an alienologist. I love that. I don't even know if that, I've heard of ufologist or ufologist, but is alienologist did you get that from the show or did you just put two together? I totally just made that up Ooh. in like eight year old me brain. And what were their, what did they, how did they respond? Uh, they didn't think that that was something I could actually be, you know, they, they weren't believers. They weren't true believers. Fuck that. I hate that shit. It's like <laughs> a little kid saying he wants to be, of. I mean, they let kids say they want to be astronauts. That's not very realistic. Right. Like if you want to be an alienologist, like maybe that's, I, that's where the real conspiracy starts it's when we're all kids well I definitely know that you were a TGIF fan and a SNCC fan absolutely which... uh, I watched them religiously every Friday and Saturday night growing up yeah TGIF I think was on ABC yeah okay yeah and then SNCC was on Nickelodeon the following night uh, man I like get even just talking about it in any way gives me like nostalgia like out the fucking wazoo me too me too and um i get so nostalgic that i like um was babysitting a friend's kid a few years ago and making them watch uh all that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we got we got josh server Lori beth dinberg kel mitchell keenan thompson uh, What's her name? Amanda. Amanda Bynes. Bynes, yeah. Ask Ashley. That's me. <laughs> and then she just like went off the deep end. I was looking at some oh, pictures yeah. of her today. I think she cleaned up though. I, I hope think. she's all right. I know. I, I didn't like that. I never feel good whenever, especially I feel like female celebrities get 
a, like they're held to a different standard than male celebrities, you know? Absolutely. People, Charlie Sheen, they're like, yeah, you know, whatever, like looks like a fun guy. Britney Spears, they're like, whoa, like what's wrong with her? Like, what Have the fuck you do you mean is wrong with her? Have you delved into like, the whole save Britney conspiracy, I, like free Britney thing? I have, and I do think there's something to it. She doesn't Absolutely. have. She, I agree. Like, there's something to the fact that, like, she's been made, like, a ward of her, what, of her father? Mm-hmm. Like, it just all tracks. I'm like, of course that would happen. She's a money, a cash cow. I let, I read that, like, I think it was on her, maybe a fourth album or something. She wanted to use her real voice. Because she doesn't, her real voice is not the baby voice. Right. That was a voice they kind of like foisted on her in order to, you know, I mean, we could get into an entire discussion about like the sexualization of ch- children in Hollywood and da 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 da. But I just thought that, that one hit me really hard. I was like, that's so sad that you're like, hey, well, can I sing, nor-, you know, how I, how I like to sing? I have a pretty good voice. And they're like, nah, we want sexy baby. Yeah, it's, it's, really freaky but it's definitely one of the few conspiracy theories that i uh think is absolutely true and um you know her whole freak out where she shaved her head and everything is still pretty badass um i love that picture uh, you know i hope that i hope she gets free me too i mean but i still i would put that picture on an altar the umbrella in hand smashing the window shaved head i just see it and i'm like yeah i get it like, I don't know exactly it what was going through your head. It deserves a shrine, for sure. But I've felt that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we all have, honestly. Well, yeah. What other, with Snick, we had Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, yeah. The that se- was my favorite, for I sure. Mean, that's another show where just even the intro will fucking give me chills. I think I told you before that whenever I was a kid, um, kids from my neighborhood that I hung out with, we had our own, like, Midnight Society-type group. And um, we would hang out. We would take like 50 cents or a quarter dues and we would go to the local convenience store and get candy and snacks. And then we would use a portable grill and (laughs) have a little fire and move it to each other's backyards or their back porches. Um, And we would draw pictures of like the the monsters or ghosts that we created for our stories and stuff. It was great. I love that. Like how many people I want? I bet a lot of people did that. I, you know, let me sound like an old man for a second. I don't think they make shows like that anymore. They really don't. That's why whenever I was babysitting, I was showing kids, like, all that. <laughs> yeah, like, it, it definitely I gave kids I can't stomach the a, stuff mm-hmm. that is around now, honestly. At least even all that showed you. It's like, hey, like, kids at home, you want to do sketch comedy? Here's, a, here's, like, a you know, some people to look up to. Pretty diverse cast like considering the time period and then even like are you afraid of the dark like that's what kind of held the whole show down was this always return to like the kids around the fire so however like floofy doofy the the stories became you could still come back to like the community feel like everyone chilling and just sharing stories uh but also you know to to move a little move along a little bit you know, we talk about stories and everything, but we can never really forget the characters within these stories. So tell me a couple characters uh, that you found yourself, you know, always kind of coming up in your life that you always have you felt connected to and still feel connected to. 
Yeah, so I guess the first one that I can remember as a kid um, was Rogue from the X-Men. Hell yeah. Would Now, did you get that from the Fox Kids cartoon? Yeah, I was very much into the X-Men Spider-Man series that was on at that time and the Batman animated series, but the X-Men was definitely my favorite. And Rogue, um, I thought her character, like I remember as a kid even feeling... Um, like the depth of her character um, because she had this intense longing for connection but she wasn't able to touch um, other people because she was afraid to harm them because she would absorb their powers and so she would only use it as a necessity um, or as a tool um, but you know with her relationship with Gambit it's like you know one of the ongoing stories throughout that series where you know, he's totally accepting of like how she is and the fact that she can't touch, but she is so, you know, terrified of, you know, harming mm -hmm. uh, somebody that she cares about, you know. Oh, yeah. Gambit, I, Gambit was always my guy. I think it was, he was debonair, which I never was. Uh, he had a duster on, which. Super cool. I never <laughs> owned. <laughs> he had a bow staff which I think growing up was like one of my favorite weapons because it was the easiest one to find in your own house. <laughs> <laughs> Just a broomstick and there you yeah. go. And his power was, what I found out later, technically his power is to convert kinetic energy into, or sorry, to, to convert potential energy into kinetic energy. So anything he touches, he can turn into a bomb essentially. But now that I think of it symbolically, kind of like you are with Rogue, it really is like I guess yeah he is able to see the potential in things and yeah you know turn them into something that serves him actually a very that it would be a great episode to really just break down like the occult extractions we could make from you know the X-Men kids series again scare all the Christian parents who <laughs> absolutely let us watch it it still holds up though you know I watched it again the whole series few years ago as an adult and um it's really good yeah it's like I, I watch it and i can't believe like it was for kids it's pretty like plot heavy you know i feel like people don't give kids enough credit i feel like you know kids can handle plot heavy they can also handle um you know things in reality that are really heavy too mm -hmm. and uh they're just not given enough um, credit and we've moved kind of towards um, I guess I don't want to say babying but kind of we kind of are so obsessed with keeping them completely shielded from anything that might um, you know cause some kind of anxiety or stress or sadness or something but um, you know those emotions and experiences are something that are important yeah and they're gonna find it anyway so it kind of just makes them have to do it on their own which is never really a good like it just leaves room for way more mistakes that are really gonna like might may very well haunt you totally uh, but i mean i can't act like my mom was in the room being like what are you watching oh well let's discuss <laughs> let's discuss violence on tv but i definitely feel what you're saying it's just like there's definitely you watch old shows and you're like oh they could put this out now. <laughs> no yeah. Way.
at night. Tonight, no other place. Here, no way to stop it. Snick. You are now sneaking. You are now sneaking. But I know you grew up really Catholic, uh, so I'm gonna guess that wasn't a great experience. But uh, give me a little insight into what that was like. My evangelical ass never. I think I went to one mass. And it was, I was bored to tears. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't ha I don't have the experience of uh, uh, evangelism, so it's like I can't relate to that excitement, I guess, uh, with religion. <laughs> yeah, no speaking in tongues. Yeah. I never spoke um, in tongues either. Damn. <laughs> I'm getting there though. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know when you do. I, I can't wait to yeah for them for my mom my Christian mom to find find out that I'm speaking in tongues but like to say to the devil yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so my family was um, very active in the Catholic Church um, I was forced to go to CCD um, which is basically like Sunday school um, from the time I was five till I was thirteen and um, at that point. I also was an altar server, um, so basically I would assist the priest in mass and like hand uh, over the chalice and fill it with wine and light candles and carry a cross and it was very um, ceremonial and ritualistic and uh, there were like rules that you had to do and, and genuflections and things like that. Um, yeah, it's like you take, take the perverted priest out of it and it's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it, it can be. It can be. If you take out the priest and you take out God. <laughs> yeah, that's oh yeah, that yeah, the, that that big that, that's a big pervert right there. That dude's I already watches you when you masturbate. <laughs> I'm like, what? But uh, <laughs> you know, you're not allowed to do that. You're going to hell. You're gonna go blind. So, um yeah, I was an altar server for uh four years. Um and then whenever you're thirteen in the Catholic Church, you are supposed to uh, have a ceremony. It's called confirmation, where you basically um, are supposed to dedicate your life. You're supposed to commit yourself to the church um, because you're considered an adult in the eyes of the Catholic Church. Um, and, um, you know, at that point, I had too many questions. Um, I knew that it wasn't for me. And so um, I made the decision, and it was actually supported by my mother, that if I wasn't into it, that I didn't have to do it anymore. So uh, I dropped out of CCD uh, right before I was supposed to make my confirmation. And, uh, and at that point, I promptly dedicated myself to be extremely anti-Catholic and very much goth. <laughs> but wouldn't it have been a little bit more anti-Catholic if you got all that confirmation money? And then quit. You know what? I should have. I should have been thinking about. <laughs> I think I've. I think I've had some friends that they've had that exact. They're like, "Oh no, I got confirmed because I. I knew you got a lot of money." <laughs> 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 that, that rules. <laughs> 
Yeah, it makes sense. For me, it like one of the things that uh, freaked me out the most was I was told that animals didn't have souls. God, that and, one, that one hurt too. Yeah, but it couldn't be explained to me. Um, I don't know. There were just so many questions and no answers. But I, I just have a lot of resentment at this point um, mm -hmm. surrounding the church. But you know, I did develop, I think, a love or appreciation for ritual um, at that time. Um, like I said, with the the ceremonial lighting of the candle and the drinking of the wine, and you know, all these uh, all the symbolism. Um, all the involved. stuff. All the stuff. My church said was why catholics were bad because <laughs> of the idolatry and the uh yeah just like you're not supposed to be so you know showy about it but i was always yeah the older i got the more i was kind of tantalized by like whoa like now anytime it i see a virgin mary statue with like the swinging incense burners with <sighs> the billowing smoke yeah. and the smell and like a, a mass in latin come on my church was just speaking in tongues which is like despite what they s claimed not a language <laughs> but latin what language is, is it supposed to be it's supposed to be like a forgotten language or maybe sometimes i was like is it supposed to be aramaic or something but it's always just like consonants it might even just be like it's supposed to be nonsense but then you know in our church it would be like you had gifts of the spirit, which, you know, there was like, I think it was in the Bible. There was like anointing and uh, healing and then speaking in tongues and then interpretation of tongues. So, in, you know, we'd have a praise and worship service and it'd get, you know, the part where the band's just kind of jamming and everybody's lifting their hands and like feeling it. And then someone would just start speaking in tongues, which I can't even do an impression of. I might, I want to try. It's like, like, it really is just a string of consonants. Like, and some people could do it better than others, but then somebody would then interpret that like into, you know, a message from God. Do you think that's how they made the Bible? <laughs> I probably, I mean, I've read some of it and some of it, it don't make no sense. Yeah, it was just wacky, but the wackiest part was just like how normal it was. Which I guess probably I, I appreciate absurdism, but... Yeah, they didn't really have a sense of irony at the time. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, after those Catholic days, did you find yourself... You know, did the supernatural continue to find its way into your life? Absolutely. So um, I guess the supernatural had always uh, been a part of my life. Um, I saw and communicated with beings uh, that nobody else could see whenever I was very young. One of my earliest uh, memories was uh, communicating with some kind of entity in my grandparents' house. Um, and also having an imaginary friend who lived in the backseat of my mother's car. Oh, <laughs> whoa. whoa. Um, but, Do you remember their yes. name? It's their name? Um, I don't know its name, but I felt like it protected us in the car. Oh. So the spirit that lived in the car was good. Um, and it looked like the cartoon nerd on the candy box. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> it's really cute. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. love those little nerds. Yeah. 
it's actually I've I've been thinking about that more lately. The fact that like you're eating them, that's what that's what's supposed to be happening. Like they yeah they put on the label these cute little like fun funny little amorphous blobs, then you're just like chomping them. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even the way they like the consistency of them, it is kind of like they have little bones that you are just crushing. <laughs> The temple strives to end personal laziness and engender discipline. To focus the will on one's true desires in the belief gathered from experience that this maximizes and makes happen all those things that one wants in every area of life. What up? Any other supernatural things, yeah. Nina? Um, yeah. So, you know, I kind of had that experience as a child, and then, you know, um, I left the Catholic Church and became more interested in witchcraft and uh, cults in general. Um, yeah. And I guess whenever I was 16 or 17 years old, one of my so I moved um, away from home whenever I was 16, had my first apartment. I lived with a bunch of 20-something dudes who were all nerds. Um, and one of my roommates came home after um, attending a concert of a band, uh, Psychic TV, um, mm-hmm. at a venue that is no longer there. Um, it was in Garfield, and it was called The Eye. Um, it was also an occult shop. Um, and my man what's that the eye i'm just like man that's that's definitely not there anymore yeah it was so cool it was in this old warehouse on penn avenue in garfield um in the early 2000s uh late maybe the late 90s early 2000s i do want to i stand corrected there is uh i think it's called arts and crafts occult supply in garfield now oh yeah on the corner of matilda and Penn, and I have been there actually. That's probably one of the better occult shops um, locally. Yeah, her her social media is fucking. It seems really fun too, and I love. I fucking hate serious occultists. I like people that at least I agree. like. You know, ooh, look, a naked candle. Isn't that fun? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, it is fun. <laughs> but anyways, back to where we were. That was just a quick plug for arts and crafts occult supply in. Yeah, Pittsburgh, check it yeah. out. But yeah, so my roommate had gone to the Psychic TV show and uh, came home and handed me this book and was like, you have to check this shit out. Um, It's up your alley. And it was a collection of artwork, photos, um, and writings of Genesis Breyer Peorich, who was um, in Psychic TV, uh, but also uh, the creator of a cult um, called the Temple of Psychic Youth. Yes. But yeah, so uh, Genesis Peorage. Um, I became obsessed with this person and, um, you know, delved into this black hole of the Temple of Psychic Youth 
and um, the idea of sigil, chaos, sex, magic, mm -hmm. um, and uh, them kind of encouraging people to, I guess, have ex explore experiences outside of the norm, um, kind of deconstructing everything that mm -hmm. was considered beautiful or normal in the realms of art and music and gender and sexuality and yeah, uh, religion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard for the, for the Temple of Psychic Youth, you know, after this is also the found, one of the founding members of Throbbing Gristle, like one of the first industrial bands. But after that, when they founded Psychic TV in conjunction with the Temple of Psychic Youth, I, I, from what I understand, they would have people like at a certain set time, you know, maybe the 11th hour of the 11th day of the month, they would have people do their own artwork, knowing full well that they were going to send it to one of the like Topi Temple of Psychic Youth centers for it to just be archived. So it was like art Correct. to be made to not be seen, which kind of imbued it with this very deep, true creative force as well as all the cum and blood and <laughs> spit and piss that they were also I supposed have to put on actually <laughs> handled some of these archives uh, myself um, I, I have hand friends sanitizer who... please <laughs> Sorry. yeah so like you said they would create this art but also um, like like charge it by having an orgasm a lot of the time they thought that it would change you know, the vibration, I guess, of the, the universe and cause some kind of universal chaos by having, say, 10,000 people simultaneously orgasm <laughs> at the same time, which is fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I actually have friends. Um, one in particular, my friend Wendy, um, was lived with Genesis um, for years in California, was in Temple of Psychic Youth and like the inner circle of it for um, over 20 years um, and had some of the archives that were not destroyed by the British government. Um, yes, so. yes. Genesis had to flee, uh, yeah, I think in the 70s because of yes. like, you know, they, they, they get their money from, you know, all the artists get their money from the government and from the Queen and so like the, the performance art they were putting on which involved like blood enemas and piss enemas and eating your own vomit and pornography and serial killers. Uh, I don't think the queen's into that stuff. Well, isn't quote unquote <laughs> into that stuff, right? Am I right? Uh, yeah, so what you're talking about originated from Comb Transmissions was a project, um, an early project of Genesis Briar Peorge in the 70s with Cozy Fanny Tootie, who was another performance artist. Um, and a few other uh, of their co-conspirators, I guess. And um, they actually had an exhibition um, in a museum uh, near the palace and the British government tried to shut them down and they occupied the space until they were arrested and then they were called destroyers of civilization. Um, Man, the squares do have a way with words. I will say that. They tell us that we're way cooler than we actually are. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But Genesis is really fucking cool. And, uh, yeah, their whole, um, I guess, the, the basis of their art was based off of um, this uh, cut-up method 
that was developed by two other artists. I'm sure everybody's familiar with William S. Burroughs, but probably not um, as familiar unless you're into this weird psychic TV, throbbing gristle, um, you know, black hole uh, like we are, but uh, Brian Dyson. Um, and uh, yeah, basically um, it started by taking pieces of writing, um, cutting out words, rearranging them, putting them back together. Um, but it could literally be applied to anything. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I believe Brian Geisen was like cutting up something on newspaper, uh, you know, with an exacto, maybe like for a collage or something, and then he saw the pieces of paper and kind of shift, they had shifted and formed these like really powerful sounding nonsensical phrases that even when you read them, they do kind of feel like they're like unlocking something. Like mm-hmm. you feel this like, oh, that is really powerful, but also like, what is it? And yeah, William S. Burroughs kind of like took it into writing with his automatic writing, kind of trying to get yourself into a place where you're just kind of like, stream of conscience conscious stream of conscious but yeah and also they took it to their own body when they met their partner uh lady J, and decided to turn into the same person and kind of in a way take the body the human body cut it up mix it up and then bring you know something uh, meaning from it that you know wasn't there before you took a knife to it literally right so yeah that's what genesis did was basically take this cut up method into practice and they uh used it like you said in their music but also on their own bodies they and their partner lady J, um believed that they were two halves of the same entity um and so they went from becoming in from you know being individuals to becoming a we um and you know, until Genesis passed earlier this year, they still, even though Lady J had dropped their body, Genesis, um, you know, continued to embody uh, the spirit of Lady J as well. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a statement against gender. They called this project the Pandragine, um, which um, was a, was representative of like a higher self the way that people originally were um mm-hmm. not male and female i actually saw a lecture um by genesis years ago and they read um a sumerian text where um they were talking about this origin story where it kind of reminded me of um hedwig, hedwig and, and the, the angry, angry inch, inch. Mm-hmm as well of um like the one being split being split Mm -hmm. into two and then rejoining Yeah, Um, it's kind of and it was definitely before transgender uh transgenderism which i'm never sure if that's supposed to be called an ism but before that kind of came into the like forefront you know before like you know before people knew what that term was but like genesis was not only putting that out there into the world but adding this sort of like magic to it this this transcendent nature to it. I've even, I don't know if you're familiar with the trans porn star, uh, Bailey J. They're like uh, also an occultist. I've listened to some podcasts with them uh, and they definitely even see themselves as kind of a baphometic like being, 
simply because of like the two genders coming together existing as this like this one you know opposites joined together which i'm like fuck yeah <laughs> if only i could feel like baphomet but instead i just feel like gambit from the x-men <laughs> uh i want to thank you again for being on the show yeah thanks for having me uh is there any yeah it's promo time uh so how yeah tell i mentioned appalachian oddities at the top of the show tell tell the people about that tell the fakers about that and then where they can find you cool so yeah uh pre-pandemic my biologist friend kate sweeney and i decided to invest in supplies and start learning how to do taxidermy uh so we've been comp- combining our love of science and creepy shit um we have since launched Appalachian Oddities, which is an online shop currently. Um, you can find on our Instagram page at Appalachian Oddities. Uh, it's the link in bio. Um, and um, yeah, we're doing sustainable taxidermy, still learning process, um, but uh, we're also offering other creepy creations while we continue to learn. And we're also currently on Etsy as oddities of Appalachia, but we're trying to veer away from them in the future. We've had a couple issues. So. Mm. Well, good to know. Uh, fuck yeah, taxidermy. That's pretty. That's pretty badass. That's a pretty big uh, undertaking. But I've seen some of the stuff you've done, and I fucks with it. And I think awesome. the fakers Thanks. will too. They have to. Or they can get out of here. Go hang with the fucking squares. Oh my! I'm so mean to I'm so mean to my listeners, (laughs) but I think we love you, fakers. Yeah, I like you guys. I'll say that much. Uh, Well, as parting words of wisdom, thank you again, Jill, for being on the show. And fakers, be sure to uh, what can I reference? Just watch a lot of TV. And don't feel bad about it. A lot of psychic TV. And a lot of (laughs) psychic TV. Ooh. Wow. We did it. That's it. All right, everyone. So long. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. The show is produced by me, Lucas Sloppy, with music provided by Johnny Arlett and an intro created by Will Marshall. Follow us on social media at Fake Ritual on Instagram and Facebook and at Fake Ritual Blog on Twitter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. And seriously, please, that shit helps a lot. You can also email us at fake.ritual.inc at gmail.com if you have any interesting stories you want to tell or any collaboration ideas, or just want to say hi to me or that other guy that I found in here. I think his name was Doofus. Anyways, this is your host, Lucas Sloppy, signing off, telling you to once again, go fake yourselves.